You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 26. This one goes out to all the cuties in the crowd. Walk kitty corner with the itty bitty box. Telescope out the window. I some wise while you walk. I start the fox box to the party. I'm locked. Security checks through my eyes. Inspected in the elevator waiting to get rested. Open the door and the floor by the heat. Hi, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 26. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And unfortunately, Ron Richards could not be here with us this week, so we're going to soldier on without him. But iFanboy... deeply missed. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes not. <laughs> but today... Today he's missed. Yeah, well, we'll see how you feel about this at the end of the show. <laughs> iFanboy.com is the website that we run, and then we do this to your podcast, and we talk about our favorite comics from the week. The most favorite in particular, and this week, Josh is talking about his most favorite comic. Uh, most favorites of a strong term. I'd say it was a pretty weak week this week. Whoa! <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, no, I just it was it was it was an underwhelming kind of week. I actually you can had say that again. Books and and uh, you know I've been buying a lot of DC books just to see what's happening with them. And 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 I don't think that I'm going to keep up with all of them for this long. But I don't know. They just weren't. There were some of them were okay, and some of them weren't very good. And um, but I had a couple of uh, contenders for it, and it was going to be. Uh, I've got uh, Strangers in Paradise '81, which uh, again we're wrapping up nine issues to go. Um, but it was just kind of a nothing much to talk about. It was a really really neat art in the beginning. Um, but uh, just sort of a in between issue. Was it a different kind of art than normal? Uh, he does experimental pieces sometimes, and if you uh, if you can sort of look it up, you'll see the cover, and it's like a diagram of David's head, because uh, David's dying and he has cancer. Oh. So, um, Ruin it for thing. everybody following in the trades, why don't you? You know what? I'm sorry. We're writing that piece. Forget it happened. <laughs> but I don't know if he's going. We don't know if he's going to die yet or anything like that, and I wouldn't say. But it's just a really nice sort of piece in the beginning, and I bet he'll be selling this at a convention for quite a lot of money at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I decided... Wrong. Uh, possibly, who owns several pieces of Terry's art. I've never been able to afford a page. Um, I have I have great pages. I, have, well, there was, I haven't even talked about the pick of the week yet. I'm sorry. Well, we'll get to, okay. There was one we'll time at that. San Diego Con when Ron made me be his bodyguard and keep him from buying more Terry Moore art, and that lasted about five minutes. <laughs> he bought it? Ron, you said not, to, to, not let you buy it. I'm buying it anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, so I picked Ultimate Spider-Man 93 just to get us back on track. Oh, yeah. Um, and why did I pick it? Uh, you know, in the midst of a mediocre week, uh, you know, when you get something like really solid, and you know, you can always count on Bendis. Basically, um, it's this is one of those big actiony sort of issues, and it's funny because you know people complain about him having really talky pieces and everything. This is wall to wall action. Wall to wall action, like a GI Joe episode. On top of very talky at the same time. It, it was, and they they did one of the other things I mentioned in my write up is that there was sort of an experimental form used because this whole fight that they're doing on the Krakatoa Island, or Krakoa, <laughs> uh, Island is is being televised on, on uh, international television to, quote, right-thinking countries all over the world. And so this whole time you've got this running commentary of what's going on on the show and with, like, little screen captures and the dialogue. And then in the background is the, all this fighting action between the X-Men and Spider-Man and the Reavers. And it's just, it's just wall-to-wall action. There's little, there's little explosions and bla- blasts everywhere. It's literally like a G.I. Joe cartoon episode. Right. Um, but uh, what I was saying is that it's a really interesting experiment and in format. 
And I've seen him do this in powers a lot, and it's something I always respect. And even if it doesn't always work, you got to love a guy who goes out there and does that. Um, and we've had it pointed out on the website that, that this was uh, similarly done in uh, Dark Knight Returns uh, by the master, of course, Frank Miller. Well, this um, is – I mean the great thing you can say about this book is it's unlike every other book you read this week structurally. True. And it's unlike every other issue of this that's ever been in it. That's you know, true. That's ever been structurally, and that's that's pretty interesting. If 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 it's good, it's a, it's as mainstream book as you can get, and you know he, it's forcing you to to give it a little. And I'm all, I'm always okay for a little bit of experimentation like that. And I think that one of the things that's different about this than in say Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Returns was using a talking head type program to sort of give you a feeling of what the world was like. And a little and, exposition at, at the time of that, and exposition, and and just, but it was also like, here's what the right sounds like, here's what the left sounds like. Very prescient of Frank Miller, actually. Now that I think about it, right. Um, but this is more of like a modern sort of show that has all sorts of stuff going on, and there's a screen in the corner with a guy talking, and then there's a crawl at the bottom that's telling you stuff, and meanwhile the action's going on. I think if you watch pro sports now, there's a lot more information on the screen than there ever used to be. Right. So I hear. <laughs> um, but. Uh, uh, I completely, you completely knocked off my train of thought, but go ahead. I'll, get, anyway, I'll come back to so, it. Uh, basically, the X-Men are... Uh, uh, they were captured um, by the Reavers. Captured by the Reavers, led by the de- the ultimate version of Deadpool, um, and and they're hunted. The Reavers and, hate mutants, and the whole point is they want to kill... They're televising the death of mutants. Yeah, and, and apparently there's a lot of Spider-Man got caught up with it because he's dating Kitty And Spider-Man Bryant. is not a mutant. There's a very nice... He kept saying, I'm not a mutant, and then finally Kitty got mad at him and said, will you stop saying that? It was a very nice bit. I really like the interaction between those two characters. They have a great it's interplay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very grown-up for a couple of teens, but that's what you get. Uh, and then at the end, there's a huge twist that's very interesting, and I'd really like to know what's happening. It was very shocking. But I, what I was going to say before was, you are... Right, in that Bendis is very experimental in comic book structure in his other books, Powers especially. He <laughs> plays he plays around with the format and how you read the page. And did you and read? Uh, doesn't, you he doesn't read... he doesn't do so much in his, his Marvel books. And this is one of his. Yeah. Did you read uh, Torso on a plane, or something like in public or something like that? That was Ron who twisted the book around in a circle. I read I read it on a plane as well. And there's like a I don't know if if anybody out there has read Torso, and if you haven't. And you like Bendis? That's it. That's a, it's a crime great, great book. Nature. Yeah. It's a really great book, as is Jinx. And uh, anyway, Torso. Uh, Torso. There's a page where the panels and word balloons read in a spiral yes. towards the center, and you can't read it without literally <laughs> twisting, twisting the, book. the book around. And it sounds like a pain in the ass, but it's a really neat thing, and I've never forgotten it. So that must mean something. Um, and then there's, you know, there's the one thing I've, con- I have my Bendis pet peeve sometimes is that I'll open up a page and I won't know whether it goes all the way across the page. Right, exactly, yeah. And you'll be real, read half of it and then go, oh, I screwed up and have to go up and reread it again. <laughs> that will happen a lot. Uh, you know, I'll take it. That really bother me. That, that happened much. in the beginning of this issue until I realized that all of it was going across the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just kind of go, and you know what? He's good enough. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, it's a minor, I, I, it's a minor noise. I can deal. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was just it was just a solid, fun comic book issue. Lots of stuff blown up. You can't complain again about him not having enough action or not enough happening because uh, it certainly did. And Bagley, who, it's almost the you know, anti-Bendis book. It was uh, Bagley, who, in my estimation, has not had the highest words of praise. He handled it respectably, <laughs> I think. You know, there was it's action. It's, it was a good-looking book. But you're right that in this week, um, there wasn't really a standout 
book this week that really nothing blew punched your mind. me in the face with its awesomeness. Yeah. Um, what else was notable this week? Well, uh, well, we, I'm sure we read similar books. Uh, well, now that Ron's not here, we can mention Loveless. We can mention Loveless uh, without him can, sarcastically rolling his eyes, like we know he's doing in Connecticut, even though we can't see him. Beautiful, beautiful cover on this book this week. Yes. Um, really nice design. Obviously, it's a very sad image and everything, but just artistically, it's very nice. This is a new so artist, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, he works with a very sort of small sort of stable of Vertigo artists, I think, and this is one of the other guys. Um, if, it's really interesting. If you look at it, it's got that. It looks like it's it's bright, and obviously the cover has no light of its own, but it's painted in such a way that it's it's really nice. It's yeah. just a good piece of art. And this issue made complete sense. I know. Oh, in direct page, opposition to the last five issues. I know every single page. I mean, it was it was a story about one person at one time. I mean, it's it's a horribly depressing, awful story about human failings, but um, very nice looking, beautiful uh, art. Although I like the previous art better, but this was this is still good, good art. Yeah, um, and maybe we're gonna go off on a uh, on another uh, story about this Atticus man as well, um, who has lost all faith in humanity and possibly <laughs> rightly so. Sure. Um, but uh, this one made sense, if and nothing else. It'll nothing keep really me going for a few more issues. Yep. Basically, I'm not done, and I, I know I will be eventually. I have, by the way, stayed off of my hundred bullets. Really? I think I've not bought the last three, and I, every time I kind of look at them, and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I, I won't, I won't let you do it to me again. I stopped a while ago. Uh, but the first, like, literally, like, if you go out and buy the first trade, how many? The first few trades mm-hmm. are excellent. I really. They're they're really good. When yeah. when the, the beginning, the original concept was that you'd go out there, and the guy shows up, and you're pissed off about something, and he gives you, um, he gives you a, a, a hundred untraceable bullets, and, and if you gun. shoot them, and a gun, and if you shoot and a file on the never come back to you. It's a file on the person who, in indisputable proof that this person wronged you, and then the moral decision is, do I go and kill them? Great stuff. And that lasted, I think, 30 issues or so before they got off into this background conspiracy story that I don't know the ass end <laughs> from the front. Um, I was actually – there's an ad for 100 Bullets in here, and I'd noticed, and I'd never realized before, all the trades have, have catchy little names that I hadn't quite figured out. The first one is called First Shot, Last Call because it's the first one. Mm-hmm. The second one is Split Second Chance. Mm. Uh, third one is Hang Up on a Hang Low. I don't know what that has to do with three. But the fourth one is A Foregone Tomorrow. Hmm. Fifth one is a counter fifth detective. All right, so why, if you're going to do that, why would you just skip over three? I don't know. I figure hang up on the hang low must mean something to do with three that I don't understand. My so favorite, it's way by too the way, cool for us to understand. My favorite by the is the last two are samurai, which is the seventh one. Mm. Mm. Huh? Nice. nice. And and the eighth, which is called the hard way. Huh? Ah, the hard see, eighth those the hard way. Got to think about. Yeah, I didn't. I never noticed that, but uh, kind of clever. Kind of clever. He's got his thing going on. Um, Let's talk about Superman. I would love to talk about Superman. 651, which you bought, right? Yes, I did. Part three of the Up, Up, and Away, one year later storyline. Okay, here's the preface. I really like Pete Wood's art. Yes. A lot. I really like uh, the prior work of Kurt Busiek and Jeff Johns. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoyed the first few pages of this episode, uh, issue. And then... uh, it just got silly. I, here's I what's know. good about it. The, what happened to Lex? <clears throat> here's what's good. All the Lex stuff was good. Mm-hmm. The very, very brief scene in the middle where um, Clark and, Lo- uh, and Lois talk about his dilemma, whether or not he wants to go back to being a Superman. Superman. Yep. And the beginning part, which is like two pages long. 
right. th- three pages long where Superman has the Green Lantern ring. Everything else was stupid. The prankster did not need to come there. The flea creatures did not need to show up. Now, this this is something we talked about on the website. Um, and which, the toy man. Which is, we can get into more later, but this is an example of um, s- old school storytelling that needs to die. This is very Silver Agey book, which is what you said you were worried about after yeah, Infinite Crisis. I know. They, they can't seem to escape that in Superman books, which always frustrates me, and then I ended up dropping it after four or five issues. Can I, can I, the, honestly, the, the best I've ever seen it done, uh, the, the thing that really I keep wanting these books to be, is, I know you said you never watched the Superman animated series, right. the Dinny one. Right. I'm telling you, watch that, mm-hmm. because they nailed characterizations in that just as well as they did in the Batman animated series. Lex Luthor in that is, is I think, Perfect. Right. For, for some reason, that character's great. You really, I think those DVDs don't cost a damn thing or whatever. Just watch some of those. They're, you really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, the Toy Man and the Prankster and stuff like that. Like That's what I was on. talking about last week when Two-Face needs to go to Metropolis or offing oh. some stupid villains. You called. know, it's Superman. You need some scary villains because he's, he's comparable, you know? Yeah. He, he needs to have somebody he's fighting. You know, Metallo is pretty badass, but... Yeah. This this silly goofy. I, I I don't know if I'm just over that kind of thing. See, I'm just, like I'm waiting till the book splits. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna give this storyline. I'm gonna stick its with course, it. and then I'm gonna give a few issues to each to Johns and see it and see where they go with it. All but right. you know, if if it's no good and it's, if it continues to be, you know, silver agey like this, I'm not gonna continue to buy it. I'm gonna need him to stop wearing that hat as well. The hat and the jacket need to go. Yeah, the Smallville hat. But there was a there was a really nice moment at the beginning where he's got the ring on and it's and and they made like this point about it being him being Clark Kent when the ring had it on and not Superman. Right. And his shoes are untied when he's Clark Kent as well. Oh, I didn't even notice that. He's got to watch it because he might fall he could down, fall and hurt himself. And he's, I imagine, if you spent most of your life uh, invulnerable. Yeah, I think you would you would not notice like when you stubbed your toe or right. Like, you know, I imagine he's cutting himself a lot more. You know, pinching his hand, things like that. Dang, that never hurt before. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> did you read Green Arrow? I did read Green Arrow. Um, Green Arrow. There's a couple of things we can talk about with Green Arrow. The the, the thing that, that stuck out to me right away, and, and forgive me for getting political, but I can hardly help it. Uh, Judd Winnick is, of course, known as being a great, huge, pinko, left-wing liberal... Uh, sort of like Ollie Queens. Makes him a perfect guy for the book, right? Right. Scott McDaniel, the penciler. By the way, love Scott McDaniel's art. I'm yes. a really big fan of it. However, it did grace the worst period of modern Batman in history. The, <laughs> Let's uh... not talk about that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was the whale. He is a great movie. artist, though. He's great. He's, he's, he's a, a great comic artist. book artist. Um, it's just flashy enough. It's not too far. But Scott McDaniel is very publicly known, I believe, as as sort of a right wing. Uh, not I don't want to say right wing, but he's he's a heavily Christian fundamentalist. He's he's into uh, you know, and and he wants his comic. He said he wants to do comics that sort of jive with his values. Yes. And, and again, I'm not I'm not judging this. I'm not putting anything. This makes on. you wonder what he. But the two are absolute opposites, and why? How did they? How did this happen? And I wonder, what the, I wonder what the working relationship is like. Especially on a book like Green Arrow. I mean, basically, Green Arrow comes out at the beginning of it, holds a big press conference. Well, he's the mayor of Star out. City. Right, and he has to be the hero, and he's saying he's he's 
somebody's like, are you going to legalize gay marriage? And he's like, I already have. And, you know, he's the heroic guy, and he's doing the heroic move. And, listen, I, I really like when Winnick does this in books. I know it gets some fanboys all up in a furor. Right. And whether or not I agree with it or not, I I don't I think that, that comic books are fair game for discussing – I think anywhere is fair game for discussing political issues if they'll let you get away with it. That's the that's the point of art is to, just, you know, provoke thought. If I was a writer, that's what I would want to do. But I'm it is it, it is fascinating that he's drawing this. It really is strange. So I wonder if he's. I don't know. I, I, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I have a couple of things. One, I really like they brought the hood back. It's a minor thing, mm-hmm. but I always thought that hat was stupid. <laughs> even when <laughs> I was is. even when I was a kid. Um, my favorite period of Green Arrow was um, back when Mike Grell did it, and it was a mature reader's book. Mm-hmm. I don't and, read that. Is that good? Yeah, it was really good. He that that's the first time he had the hood. And he didn't shoot, like, boxing glove arrows and tear gas arrows. Right. He shot real steel-tipped arrows. And he had the hood and he... What's that called? There's a name. The Arrows? Green... No, Green Arrow, that storyline. That... Oh, well, there was, a, there, was a, there was a prestige book called um, The Longbow Hunters. That's the one. But that was in conjunction with the regular series, which is just Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to buy that when I was young. I liked it better back then, even. Also, it had boobies when I was 12. Um, but one of the things about this is Green Arrow in his in his press conference, which lasts about a quarter to half of the issue, is um, he's a he's a very much a firebrand mayor. He doesn't take any crap, and he he's he speaks plainly. And he doesn't couch his language in political platitudes. Of, and he reminds me of the guy from like halfway the mayor of Las Vegas. I can't think of his name, and I then mean. halfway the uh, the Montana governor. Yes, but what I was thinking of, in conjunction, the day before I read the new issue of Time magazine, which had a whole article about how political consultants have ruined American politics and made all the politicians into these poll-driven automatons, or however you pronounce that word, and um, it's almost the, and the next day I read this, and I'm thinking to myself, damn, this is how I wish more politicians were actually thought for themselves and talked for themselves instead of being driven by a well, team of guys making six figures. You can, you can say that, but Ray Nagin gets crucified constantly well, for doing just this kind of thing. That's because people don't necessarily agree with what he says, but if everybody spoke their mind, it wouldn't be, such a, it wouldn't be so startling. <laughs> All I'm saying is, having read the Time Magazine article and then having read this in, in a row, I was wishing more for a world where politicians acted more like he did. Whether or not I think so. It happens more at a local level. I think if you get a guy at a, at a mayoral level of sort of a, I don't know how big this city, how big is it? Star City? Yeah. I don't know how big Star City is supposed to be, in the sort of like if it's like Cleveland or if it's like where it falls in the DC universe, but um, it can happen. I mean, you can get those kind of guys. It does happen. That the first page where Green Arrow shows up is a good page. Yeah, and. Um... Sorry, I mean, it was good. I, I thought it was good. I know some people don't like it, but I, I really like Green Arrow. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why the last issue was met with so much hatred. I mean, nothing much happened, I guess. Yeah, that could be it. But uh, And then there's a, a big villain appearance at the end by one of the big scary villains. One Who of is... the guys that perhaps Superman should be fighting. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, he's not a big toy or anything. He's not a giant guy with a weird beard <laughs> who sits in a bubble. That's about it for me. I mean, uh, Nightwing came out and it was terrible, and I, yeah. I just don't. Uh, I'm so, I'm, I'm Bruce so Jones? angry about it. Yeah. Bruce, what happened to him, man? I don't know. I mean, his first his first few issues of the Hulk a few years ago were really were really legendary. good. 
it's for storyline. Then it got yeah. stupid, and I dropped that. And and uh, this is just just is not good. It's just there's nothing good about it. The art's not good. The writing's not good. It's hmm. it's not good at all. And you love Nightwing. He's my like my one A character. Yeah. So I'm not happy about that. I I wouldn't imagine so. Uh, the only other thing I read was uh, American Virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, was that good? <laughs> it's it could be it might still be what is the premise like of that book um well to continue on a theme uh this kid is like a um a speaker like he's a 17 year old kid who's 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 uh heavily religious uh, christian fundamentalist who is on this nationwide kick about uh saving yourself for marriage and, and staying a virgin but he's at the same time he's cool and he does BMX tricks and he's extreme uh, and uh, his girlfriend he talks about how he loves his girlfriend but he's saving himself for her and she's off doing missionary work in Africa and it, like in the first issue she's killed mm-hmm. and so like he's filled with hatred and, and all this stuff and it's just him confronting all the sexuality that exists in 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 the world and at this point, he's still like saying how it's a sin and it's awful, and he has to deal with his feelings that are his, his natural feelings versus his 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 belief system mm-hmm. and the conflict in that. And plus, at the time where is he going to lose his faith because uh, because you know this horrible tragedy happened? I mean, there's a lot of good concepts. Right. It's a good idea. The art uh, by Becky Cloonan is is great. I'm I'm a really big fan of this style of art. I think she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, if she wanted to draw my comic, I would be okay with that. Um, she's exactly what I would look for, actually. Um, you know, it's an adult comic because it deals with sexual themes. It's not like pornographic or anything. But uh, is it a miniseries or? I think it's an ongoing. Let's not make that mistake again. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not calling that. <laughs> I'm not being declarative <laughs> at all. I'm, I don't know. Someone will write it and tell us. Is it enough um, to keep you going on it or not? Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, it hasn't it hasn't really started yet. I think we're still early in the first act. I think you got to go six or eight issues before you can see if if the point. I don't know what the point he's trying to make is yet. If I agree with his point, I might feel good about it. If I don't, then who knows? See, I saw it in the store and I saw like, the first two issues and I thought for a second I might try it because we talked about it in the last podcast. But then mm-hmm. I just don't like Steven Siegel's writing. Hey, you know what? You get burned by some people and you it's hard to go back. I think I've experienced that. So I just it made me made me pass it up. The other one I looked at but didn't buy was um, Fell. After all mm-hmm. the talk about that, but they only had issue four. I was crucified for that. <laughs> they only had issue four at the store, so I would have. If they had had all the back. I, I believe that they'd said that it sort of is more of a standalone kind of book, though, and you could pick it up and read an issue. Yeah, I don't like to do that. Two bucks. Hey, two bucks um, is two bucks. At, I'm not saying anything about it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Friggin' savages. It's probably it for comics this week, I think. It's probably it for comics. It was a pretty disappointing week. Yeah, I mean, there's all this going on one year later. I really look forward to 52. I really want to read it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward and next to month War. is Civil War, so that's good. I'm really looking forward to all this stuff going on. So, like, when none of it sort of materialized this week, I was like, eh. Well, you can go through it. We have a week of so many books. Like, when I had my pick last week, I had so many books to read, and I had so many good ones, and now... Mm-hmm. You know, but you, sometimes you get a week like this where nothing's that good. So that, um, yeah, that's about all the books for this week. Um, what's going on on the website? Well, if you don't, if you listen to the podcast and you don't come visit the website, ifanboy.com, and check it out and and get yourself involved in the discussion, you miss out on some cool things. This week we had a really, really great discussion, possibly uh, the unofficial best discussion ever on ifanboy. You just say it because you started that thread. Yeah, possibly. 
it was a discussion on old school storytelling versus new school, which we mentioned briefly in the Superman discussion, the um, so-called Silver Age style versus the realist, realistic style, which is personified by Brian Bendis being the new school writer and Dan Slott being the current um, poster boy for old school storytelling. And uh, some very, very interesting discussion on it, some long and involved and thought-out posts from people. It wasn't just one word, one line here or there. Just people were writing many essays every time they posted, and it was a really, really great discussion. Yeah. So if and, you're into, uh, you know, if you're into yeah, that it, stuff, come to the website. That's the kind of stuff we have every week at IFM. It's, it's sorted out nothing. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, there was some very interesting discussion on what the nature of a superhero is and who is, who is a superhero and what does that mean to be a superhero. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, is the Punisher a superhero? Is the Hulk a superhero? Right. And... uh I don't think anybody changed their minds, but there was, there was certainly a lot of discussion and a lot of interesting points were raised. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was good stuff. I was really proud of everybody this week. That's true. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was interesting. And uh, Spider-Mav, you defended the Hulk like your damnedest, but... Uh, oh, the Punisher. You know, the, the, the Punisher, Hulk. I mean. Ah, the Hulk, too. I hate the Hulk. <laughs> it's just I've never been able to enjoy it. I just I don't get it. I've, I've, every time they say the Hulk's really good, I'll go out and like... Not every time, but every once in a while, they'll be like, no, now the Hulk, now the Hulk is really good, and I've been reading it, and I just don't care. <laughs> he's angry, know. and he's green. I know. I guess I don't have that kind of rage. He smashes things. Um, but, uh, I mean, it basically, it's kind of like, it's an odd argument, because there is no one or the other. Well, it's no right or wrong. It's personal taste, but... But, you know, people have different ideas about what they want out of their funny books, and the good thing about that, though, is that it, whatever you want, it's out there. And that's the thing. It doesn't have to be a uh, zero-sum game here. Everybody, mm-hmm. One side doesn't have to be right. One side has to be wrong. It's, it can, there's room for everybody to exist. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Brian Bendis is kind of tearing up the charts. <laughs> that's the other... Dan, you know. Dan Slott's working at keeping his books alive, so who's to say? Well, that's, that's the other side of the coin. Is, is there, there's no empirical way to judge this. Yes, there is. It's called sales, and sales would show that uh, mm-hmm. people, the, the majority of people seem to prefer a new style more realistic style of storytelling than right than the She-Hulks or the Hulk's books, but I mean the, the thing book. But we can we 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 talked about it a lot there on the on the website. We so can, if you if you feel like getting your getting your argument on, uh, come by to ifanboy.com. We will keep trying to put up more stuff uh, to talk about. Uh, we enjoy again, a spirited, well-behaved argument. Yeah, again, and I've said this before. Uh, one of the things I really like about our website and the people who come to it is that it does not turn into a newsarama like and I like newsarama I'm talking about the users the, right. the post the board post it doesn't turn into like a a weird fight that's just sort of without form and angry and flaming and so we don't get that we get we get a lot of sort of intelligent thought out sort of thinking readers and there's definitely a uh, a large d- disparate you know uh, Sorry, opinion sort of like everybody feels. There's lots of different opinions. Yes, I can't talk. Mine is the right one though. Yeah, you've said that before. It's always right. <laughs> it must be difficult. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's quite easy. It's a burden. Um, what did we get for fan mail this week? We got a lot we got, actually. We did. Uh, we did. We're not going to do as much as we did last week. Oh, I can tell you that. That much. was tiring. Oh, I'm still a little tucker. <laughs> um, first one comes from Andy. And uh, he said, since his twin brother and him discovered the world of podcasts, they've been hunting for good ones about comics. After trying a lot of them, they've been listening to ours and Word Balloon. I haven't listened to Word Balloon. <laughs> but, uh, but thank you for that. The question instead is sort of general, and they wondered what we thought. 
how much do we think the price of comics affects the sales of sales? Yeah. So if if you go out and like, because if you started reading comics when we did, they were seventy five cents. Seventy five cents. Fifty cents. Remember the good ones, the prestige ones that were a dollar fifty. Like yeah. the Punisher War Journal was a dollar fifty. Yeah. I loved those too because they had such pretty paper. Right about junior high school, they they were seventy five cents, and then they mm-hmm. went to a dollar, and mm-hmm. then there was the traumatic. Moment they went from a dollar to a dollar twenty-five, which meant you could only get four comics for five dollars instead of five comics for five dollars. Ouch! Now it's two comics for five dollars. If you're lucky, uh, if you're not lucky. even, yeah. And now it's two fifty to five bucks, or or um, you know, it's a lot. And and I think they pointed out by a third or two thirds the price of a paperback book. It's true. You go in there and you buy a six dollar paperback book. If it's any good, you're getting your money's worth. Well, that's that's the point Andy makes in his email. He's he has he loves comics. He really enjoys the new stuff by Bendis and Rucka and Willingham and all these people because he's just come back to comics recently. Right. But he's trouble justifying spending the money on something for such a short reading experience. I mean, how long does an average comic take you to read? Not very long. And then he said, "We seem to have a fairly hefty pull list," and he says he doesn't doubt that we drop close to a grand a year on comics. Is it worth? Have it? you ever added that up? I, in preparation for the show, I went into my home finance software. <laughs> and I pulled up the numbers for 2005 uh, for comic book purchasing. Mm-hmm. This is just weekly comic book purchasing. This doesn't count um, random stuff here and there that I didn't like. I bought with cash or whatever. So this is a, this is a general estimate. For 2005, <laughs> it's one thousand two hundred fifty-eight dollars and sixty-eight cents. I think 2005 was a low year for me, but I can remember at my height, probably four or five years ago, I was in the mid. 2000s. Wow. Well, that's yeah, lost. I'd, I spot a lot of trades for a while, sort of trying to catch up on stuff. It was right when I sort of like got out of college and started working, and I thought I had a lot of money. Right. And again, I've got a lot of problems with 23 year old Josh. He's kind of screwed me over. <laughs> um, well, you know what? I averaged it out, and over the course of the year, it only averages at $24 a, a week. So that's not mm-hmm. that's not a huge. That's that's a lot. If you think about what you spend on cable or whatever, that's 100 bucks a month. Yeah, but also if I go out to a bar on Friday night. 24 bucks is gone in an hour. So well, if, if you're a great drunk Irishman like yourself, or you live in New York and a beer costs $6. Well, I, I, for me like that that is a lot and I actually understand what you're saying and I think a lot of times that stops me from buying issues of stuff where I, and I'll wait and I'll find out later if it's any good and I'll buy a trade. Well, here's where um, I think the the price of comics affects sales is with kids. Yeah, definitely. But I, kids I, don't I, have a lot of, you know, at least the latchkey kid in my head doesn't have a lot of change in his pocket and spending, you know. But the kids do th- – I still – like I don't think – I think that those kids are a lost audience. I don't think they No, I understand, but I think the only place it would affect would be people who are really down and out, which we've all been at one point mm-hmm. or another, and I certainly was. Um, and th- th- at that point, it for me, it would only affect me buying new things or trying new things out mm-hmm. um, or, or just dropping stuff that I buy and enjoy but don't necessarily – need to continue to read but um, I think if you've got a younger group and you want to get them to read comics then one place you have to start looking at is the price price point mm-hmm. I mean there's all kinds of other problems there's no kids can't find comics so uh, I, I've said a lot of times that I think that the, um, the kids don't want to read comics that's a whole other issue but, and, and the people who are writing comics don't really want to make them for kids anymore. right but the, the point is even if they come in the store you know how much you, can you honestly expect a little kid to buy when we were, when we were kids buying comics Going with two dollars, we're going to come out with four books. Yeah, you know. Um, My point is, even if you get them in the store, once they're in the store, by some miracle of chance, then they're faced with a lot of having. They don't look up from Pokemon for a second. The other thing is, I think that economically things have changed a lot. 
Um, There's also inflation to consider. There's inflation to consider, and that's always something. I could get into the movies for a nickel. Well, yeah, but that nickel's not worth anything anymore. But at the same time, I think that if you look at books now, they're they're also, other than just thematically geared for adults, I mean, look at the the paper stock has gone way up. The coloring has gone way up. The, The... I mean, they're not as cheap as they used to be, and to, you know, to get it back down to that price point, I bet you'd see an enormous drop in quality. They were when when books were well, they, like, they were designed to be disposable when they were fifty right. cents, and now they're not. Now everybody's trying to be an artist, and thank God, but that comes with a cost. And I think that you know, when they were turning out comics in the '60s, and and even in the early early days of comics in, in the '30s and '40s, you know, they were. They were, how many pages can you do as quickly as possible? It wasn't, it wasn't about quality. I mean, if you look sure. at those Golden Age books, there were beautiful ideas in there, but that art was not something that people labored over, and nobody would pick it up and go, that is a beautiful piece of artwork, like you would with so many of, like, just the covers on Vertigo books alone, you know, sure. you wouldn't get that. No, you wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to afford to pay the artists for that. Uh, you know, so... So it's a trade-off. Avoid... What do you want? Do you want you know, yeah. higher quality paper, art, writing, um, stories, or do you want... Cheaper paper, cheaper art, faster turnaround, lower overhead. Then you're going to have cheaper mm-hmm. books. But uh, what do you want? That's the, question. You know, the other thing is, that, you know, the prices are also they they gauge them against what people are willing to pay. True. And you know, people are willing to pay that much. So. Well, I can remember every time there was a increase in comics for a while, either the hem and haw from the fans. Oh, two twenty-five. Oh, and then you know, people still bought them. They didn't stop. The, it's funny because the people who who really want to complain about it. They're the ones who will never, ever stop buying them. Right. Yeah. Well, the vocal ones are the ones, yeah. yeah, they get the hooks in. All right, moving along. Uh, on the same topic, Durrell. we got uh, Durrell. Uh, he's been around for a while now. Uh, said, uh, starting to see a trend with DC and Marvel making oversized $20 hardcover trades for six issues. This is Batman, Hush, Young Avengers, Captain America, New Avengers, Alice's Iron Man arc. It feels a ripoff to charge twenty bucks for only six issues and pushing back the cheaper soft covers. And I have in, I have run into this problem because I really would like to read New Avengers mm-hmm. and I wanted to get the second. Or I'm sorry, Young Avengers, and I wanted to get the second New Avengers, but I couldn't because they only had hardcovers out, and it kind of sucks. It does suck. He's got a point that um, if you it's, it's well, it's a you know it's a double edged sword. When Marvel put out the trades right away, people complained that it devalued their single issues and it screwed Screw over that. It screwed over the retailers. You know, um, people complain when they came out too fast. Now they complain they come out too slow. Well, I wonder what the profit margin is on the issues on the single issues compared to the trade paperbacks. Well, Do they make more money from one or the other? I uh, you got to believe that the single issue is a loss leader to the trade paperback. I would think so. At least, uh, on, but uh, but okay, on a on a on a on a little red book on a Gotham Central, it's a loss leader. But on a um, like on a top ten book, like on on Kenny X Men, yeah, something like that, it must make money. Must sure. make more than the trades. So it depends, I guess. But I, I for one, I, I think you, you get the material in the hands of the people who want to read it as quickly and as easily as possible. Sure. And so, you know, bring up He's the definitely trades. got a point. He's right. They, he does. They shouldn't be doing uh, that. There are people out there who love hardcovers, man, who, like, want to have that bookshelf. And I can understand that as well. But make it make it more expensive, you know. make it, If you want to pay the premium, fine. But don't make us wait eight eight months or something like that to, to get the soft cover. That's ridiculous. Like that. I do like – I mean the trend is – I mean the, the overall trend is still that trade comes out pretty soon. Oh, much sooner than, you know, five years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's overall it's a very positive trend in that they're, they are getting those trades out. They are seeing the, the need to have them out there. Yeah. Um, Going to move on? Moving right along to the science portion of the show. Uh, Jim 
wrote in as a technical advisor to once again point out how wrong we were. He did it very nicely. <laughs> but look, uh, we, we said in the beginning that we were going to be wrong. Yeah, I was guessing on how electricity works. I wasn't too far off. I, I, I don't think. He said uh, basically um, – hold on. Josh saying? lost his paper. I did. I totally did. I lost my place. Uh, it would be true. Magneto, Magneto, and Electro would have the same power. Well, let's back it up. Uh, charging. We were, let's back it up. We were talking about a, a oh, letter sorry. from last <laughs> week that said, "Wouldn't Magneto and Electro have the same powers?" Being the relationship between electricity and magnetism. Mm-hmm. And Josh went to a lengthy explanation, which turned out to be partially correct. Right. Uh, he said uh, basically, a couple of dudes named Faraday and Maxwell found that a changing electrical field produces a magnetic field, and vice versa. So as soon as they used their powers, it would create both electric and magnetic fields around them. Uh, and since Jim was a chemical engineer, he knows this stuff. <laughs> so apparently they are the same. Um, and there you go. So we're, again, always willing to admit when we've made a mistake. Absolutely. And there will be lots of them. <laughs> he uh, also mentions that we should be reading Books of Doom because we're such uh, big fans of Ed Brubaker and Brubaker writes it. Brubaker pops up all over the place in these weird places I don't expect him. Yes. So I don't really like think about seeing that, but he's got Doom. He said Doom kills a Yeti with his bare hands. Well, that's pretty cool. Comics don't get better than that. This is true. So if uh, it comes out in a trade, I'll definitely consider. I, it. I don't know if I can take Doom seriously anymore. Quite honestly, <laughs> that 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 Doom blog site just wrecked him for me. <laughs> Doom, hey, h- hilarious. All in caps. Doom likes Cheetos. Uh, and Adam came in with the, the last email. Uh. Let's see. Wait a minute. Where was I? Uh, he wanted to basically know. He's uh, he's he lives in South Carolina. <laughs> You've he's, taken over. He's a student at Clemson University. He wants to get back into comics. The problem is there are no comic book shops in town, which is a problem. That's a problem all over the country in, in smaller places. Not even a small town, but just smaller places. You, I mean, Clemson University is a pretty major university. You figure they'd have a comic store, but apparently they don't. He wants to start reading stuff, especially the one year later, which is because he's been hearing all about it, and he's a huge fan of Batman and Superman. He figures this is a good point to jump on board. Um, he he may or may not have downloaded an issue of Ex Machina, Machina, or Machina. Machina. I just do that to piss everybody off. Um, on the website, off, he does too. <laughs> He, he may or may not have downloaded that issue on his website and read it and loved it, but now he wants to start getting comics regularly and doesn't know how to do that without a comic book store. And he wants our advice. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a challenge because I've never actually not had a comic store around. And, and you living in the city haven't had that problem either. But I think that now there are all sorts – he's in, he's in school, so I don't know how much money he's got. Right. Um, but th- there's all sorts of services that I think you can go to on the web. There's a um, lot. I mean, there's a lot. There's a big business in mail order comics where they ship out your comics. You you order them. You won't necessarily have them that Wednesday. You can either arrange for them to get them on a weekly basis or like every month they'll they'll pack them up and send it to you. Which, by the way, would be pretty cool. Yeah. You get a box with your month. But there is a big business in it, and it's it's a growing business for people because one of the major problems is that comic stores continue to close. Mm-hmm. As I lost one in my neighborhood, but I gained one. So yeah. And now he hates long? me. And now, not very long <laughs> from what I've seen. Um, but um, one place that we do recommend um, is mailordercomics.com, which you can see there's, there's, an, there's a link to it on our website. 
and so if you went there, you could go to it through our website. No, yeah. you know, no, no pressure, no biggie. But there are others too. If you Google searched um, like mail order comic subscriptions or something like that, I know, I know the comic shop that you go to, Midtown Comics, has a service sort of like yes, that. Yes, mid- mid- Midtown Comics. Do they mail them? I don't know. I know that you can order I'm, them no, and you do. can pick them up. I don't know if you can get them in the mail or not. I, I think, I think they do. I may be wrong. Well, this, uh, so they're doing ads for them for no reason. But uh, MidtownComics.com or MailOrderComics.com, which you can find through our website. There's a link. Um, they have a ridiculous amount of, of discount on single issues. Yeah, seventy five percent off, which we sound like we're shills, but we're I mean we do recommend it. If um, if I didn't have to do this podcast or didn't have to write the stuff, I'd I'd seriously consider doing something like that. It takes all the uh, guesswork out of it, really. And if you're in a place like like Adam is, where there's no comic store, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Totally. I if I got relocated to uh, middle of nowhereville, USA, then I would have to do that. Clemson University is a pretty major school. That's the surprising thing about. About uh, not having a comic store. I mean, yeah, even little Ithaca, Ithaca, New York, in, in the mountains where we went to college. Well, Cornell was there. That's true. <laughs> Stupid Cornell. I wonder. I wonder who kept the the, the comic shop more in in the chips. Whether it was uh, Ithaca or, or Cornell. I think it was Ithaca. Either way, that guy at the desk was a jerk. <laughs> 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 Who's he to make fun of me? He had an English degree and he was working in the comic shop ten years later. Anyway. Sometimes oh. you can't let something go. Wow, I just that was some rage from the depth. Yeah, that was. At least it didn't call you funny looking. All right, we can't judge looking? up. Yeah, I did. All this meant, oh, we can't judge all this stuff up. Occasionally, we'll there's, two kind, there's 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 two three kinds of guys who work at comic shops. There's 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 cool guy who you're like, oh, I'm like that guy. He's you know you, you kind of relate with him. He likes comics. He's cool. He's smart. He's whatever. There's creepy guy mm-hmm. who likes who likes comics, but Doesn't you don't wash. really want to have a conversation with him. And then there's snarky asshole guy who resents working in a comic shop. And that was and that's, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Either, one, yeah, either way, it's hard to bring your, your attractive female friends into the comic shop because uh, snarky guy and creepy guy will be all over that. My wife will readily wait in the car. Because <laughs> that happened to me in Ithaca once, but we won't get into that. <laughs> anyway, that's it for, for viewer, listener, viewer, listener, mail, whatever you want to call it. We have no Can viewers. you tell that the cold medicine is wearing off? <laughs> um, if you want to write us some more of your mail, listen. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> That's really—I think it is wearing off. I'm not editing that. You can write us at contact at ifanboy.com, and we really enjoy the the emails. We like talking about them on the air. They give us some interesting things to talk about we hadn't never thought of. Like, for instance, um, comic book pricing—we probably never would have thought to talk about that. Basically, you guys are writing the show at this point. Yes, we're lazy. We don't want to prepare anymore, so just. Give us your questions. We really do enjoy them. Give us feedback. If there's anything about the show you like, don't like, or want to see, talk, hear, heard talk about, let us know. Contact at ifanboy.com. Uh, Frapper? Frapper map. Frapper map has exploded. We used to be on the slow push to 100. Now, now we're on the slow push to 200, folks. <laughs> That's double 100. 130 is the number we've, we're at today. Good Lord. Which we never thought would happen. I know. I can't even, like, now, like, the map sort of slowly renders. Yeah. I mean, not all of the pins show up, because I think there's some sort of maximum number it'll show at any we given do, time. We, we do have a favorite pin this week. This week's favorite pin belongs to Chris Morley of... Slough. Slough, yeah. England. The f- site of our favoritest TV show of all. <laughs> um, the Office. Which is so cool. It I is love cool. that. We have six of seven continents covered. The thing is, folks, when we saw the Slough pin... That, that led to immediate flurry of instant messaging at work mm-hmm. and lots of so, laughter. <laughs> um, 
There's also Quincy, who I'm not sure if he's Quincy MD or not, but it's there he is, and he's in Kansas. That's um, some old, old shit right there. Listen, that's my... That's my <laughs> it's a Jack Klugman reference. Andrew Jones, Summit, New Jersey. Adam Pope, <laughs> who wrote us, he put a pin in in central South Carolina. Paul Ramsey in Richmond, Connecticut. He's got the internet. He doesn't have a comic shop. Yeah. Zen from Chicago, who's, who's very calm, I imagine. <laughs> you couldn't piss him off if you tried. No. And... Uh, Dan Hex in Macedon, New York, who may or, not, may or may not be related to Jonah Hex, which would be cool if he was. Basically, what we're pointing is, since since the last time we had a discussion, the Fepper Maps exploded, and there's too many people to mention. So, Thanks, and we're going to keep trying to mention them, but if we miss you, um, it isn't because we don't like you. Exactly. Just, I can't keep track of it anymore. For a while, we had like 30 or 40. would be like, hey, there's a new one, and now it's just... It's an explosion. It is an explosion. But keep if you know if you haven't put a pen in, put it in. We're trying to represent the global iFanboy community. And if you're in Africa, you know, put a pen in. Then we have the all seven continents covered. God, that would be great. Well, no, actually, that's not right. No, I'm, st- I'm heading off that email at the map. I, I'm not looking for it. We have we'll have six. We will. We're not get we're not getting in our Antarctica. Oh. <laughs> You sound disappointed. Looks but like what if somebody looks, at McMurdo had like red whiteout? I'm not. Hell no. <laughs> All six hell inhabited no. continents is what we're looking for. Yeah, there for. you go. And uh, uh, you know, there's lots of people in India. We'd like an Indian pin. <laughs> um, I guess we're we're just about at the end of this. Uh, like like we said, it's probably go good because I'm losing my wits. Yeah, that's fine. www.ifanboy.com. You can write us at contact at ifanboy.com. It's all sorts of reasons you could write us. You could say, hey, that show is great, or you could say, hey, that show sucks, or you could say, can you tell me what to read, or or you can tell us, uh, write us a story that you would like to see put up on the on the, on the the map or uh, on the uh, on the website. And it's been such a long day. <laughs> it's been a long oh, week. Oh, Lord. Uh, a story you want to put up on the website, something you saw that was cool. Uh, you know, chat, shoot the shit. It's cool. <laughs> Anything we enjoy it. Yeah, and thanks everybody. I mean, it's it's been so much fun doing this so far. I'm not going anywhere. It's not like we're done. Um, you're dying. Tell me if you're dying. I'm not. I'm not. I'd like Ron to come back. I think he fills in some of those gaps. Ron would be. It would be nice if Ron came back. Cause clearly, we're not up to the task alone. We're not. Uh, so we miss you, Ron. I'm sure somebody else out there does too. I'm somebody sure everybody going, at this point is going. Oh, somebody, Jesus somebody Christ. going, somebody going. Oh God, can't they just talk about X Men? Because neither <laughs> of us know. We don't know. He, he fills that void. Meanwhile, you get a bunch of yahoos talking about Green Arrow and Loveless. You're just you're just lucky Jonah Hex didn't come out this week. I wish he clipped that damn thing off his face. <laughs> I thought he was in the cover, but he was just shaving. <laughs> you know, if somebody would bump him, maybe he'd slice it. All right, folks, we're taking off. Josh and I are going to London for the week, so we'll talk to you when we get back. It's true. It's not we're a date sound, or anything. Way to make it sound like we're going on a holiday together. We actually uh, are going for business, so we'll we uh, we'll see you when we get back. And hopefully, Ron will be here to sort this mess out. God, we can only hope. <laughs> Cue so. the music. I'm a dumb rat. That is a fat jack. Look at it in sex. Play with war wax. Hitting on a hundred at the vending machine. One hit a trade dealer. All you need is an ID. All right, three, two, one. That sucked. Five, <laughs> four, three. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Pod Week and Connor Sniffing. <laughs> I'm sick, I can't help it.